his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. That I was born a rambling man. Senator Toomey, I bet you've never heard that song quite like that before. Never quite heard that version before. And all these years, I thought Greg Allman did really pretty well okay with it. But, but now, now, I mean, there's a whole new standard. There is a whole new standard. That's yeah. our producer, Johnny Lucas. Johnny, unbelievable. He he really is unbelievable. Yes, I'll leave it at that. Thank you for stopping by today. It's Thanks so for having me. to see you in person. Good to be back. You, you do that phone hit. I always tell people it's so gracious of you to do that. No other elected official does that except you. I am surprised. I remain surprised to hear that. Um, I'm delighted to spend a little time chatting with you and your listeners, and I, I do it with other radio stations too. I know that's a shock to you, but it, it is I true. I was hurt, and, but that's okay. uh, But it's a great way to, uh, um, you know, communicate. And uh, you know, I, I like the shows where people can call in and we can have a discussion about whatever's on people's minds. So sure. thanks for giving me this chance. Sure. And if people do want to call in, it's five seven zero eight eight three zero zero nine eight or one eight hundred four three seven. 0098. You can also send us text messages if you have something to say. First of all, because it happened uh, this week, the State of the Union, I saw you there sitting next to Senator Ted Cruz. Tell me about uh, being in the chamber and maybe how this speech uh, went over with you. Well, I will tell you, uh, it was too long. All right, yeah, I will just say it really that. was a little long. But having said that, uh, I have no other uh, criticisms, really. I think it was pretty straightforward, garden variety, State of the Union. The president stood there and went through a recitation of the accomplishments of the last year, which are really very significant. Talked about how strong the economy is. For the most part, the economy really has uh, come back very, very strongly. Uh, talked about his priority agenda items for the coming year. And uh, I will say, to the credit of the president, it was optimistic. I thought it was patriotic. I thought it was hopeful. And um, so a good, solid State of the Union. And sometimes people are are critical of of patriotism and and the fact that he mentioned America. But for crying out loud, he's the president of the United States. I don't understand this dynamic at all. I I don't. I never will. I was raised um, in a a family where it was just understood that you loved your country and you respected your country and its institutions and the flag. And, you know, uh, the idea that somehow there's something wrong with being patriotic when you live in the best country in the history of the world. Um, I don't get it. I never will. I, I, I love this country, and I don't tire of saying it. Very good. Uh, so that's the analysis of State of the Union, and now it's time to talk about the tax cuts, which did actually start to show up, and that, that's what we said would be the, the proof is in the pudding, that they would show up in February paychecks, and indeed uh, I work somewhere else, and the money did show up. I did get a tax cut. Let's talk about that from your perspective, because I know you put your heart and soul into this tax cut bill. And I I saw a lot of commentators on TV talking about how this was really your baby. Well, uh, it was a tremendous amount of work, uh, but I really am thrilled that we were able to get this done. Sue, could I mention, I think there's three ways that uh, the folks I represent all across Pennsylvania are 
already benefiting and will continue to benefit for it um, from it. So first, we've seen this wave of uh, announcements from mostly large employers, but not only large employers, uh, announcing pay raises and bonuses and additional contributions to pensions. Um, over three million people across America already. Many hundreds of companies that have announced this publicly untold numbers of other smaller businesses that we don't hear from. So that's not everyone, but mm -hmm. it's not insignificant, and that's number one. Number two is what you just alluded to. Almost everyone is going to owe less money in federal taxes for their 2018 income than they did for their 2017 income. That's just because we lowered taxes, right? We lowered rates. We increased the amount of income a person or a couple can earn without having to pay any tax at all. We increased the standard deduction. We, we doubled the child tax credit. So people will see an increase in their take-home pay directly starting like now. Mm -hmm. And then the third, and, and I think over time this could be the biggest of the three actually, we've really allowed our business to be much more competitive. We have lowered the cost of running a business and dramatically lowered the cost of making new investment. So a small, medium-sized, or a large company that is looking at buying a, a new, um, new machinery, new vehicles, new equipment, building a new plant, all of those things are less expensive because of the tax reform, and that means there will be more of them, and people have jobs making that equipment, making those vehicles, making that machinery, and then other people get the job of operating that equipment, that machinery, those vehicles. So this is going to create more jobs, and at a time when the unemployment rate is relatively low, that almost certainly means upward pressure on wages. We actually saw it this morning. Right. The, the jobs number slightly above the average for last year, a uptick in wages, and I think that's going to continue. So uh, the bottom line, the people that I represent are going to earn more. They're going to keep more of what they earn, and they're going to have a higher standard of living. That's what this is all about. Now, you know, there are naysayers who say that the government needs this tax money because of its uh, multi-trillion dollar deficit, and uh, now we're not putting as much money towards paying down that multi-trillion. Is it 14, 18? Who knows? Right? What is it? Do you know? Yeah, so it's about a $15 trillion okay. in debt, right? So that's the accumulated deficits in the past years, which we've borrowed, and so the debt has piled up. Mm -hmm. And the debt is at a level that I think is too high. And our annual deficits, the shortfall between what we spend and what we bring in, is also, I think, is too high. But So here's the question. Does the tax reform mean that the federal government will bring in less money or will it bring in more money? And I'm here to tell you, I think it will result in the federal government bringing in more money. And the reason is we're going to have a larger economy on which to tax. So it is not the case that ever higher tax rates maximize the revenue for the federal government because as tax rates get too high, you reduce the incentive to work and save and invest. You have a smaller economy. There's less to tax. Good case in point, Ronald Reagan famously cut taxes dramatically in the 1980s, right? If you look, I have gone back many times. If you look at 1980 and you look at 1990, the revenue collected by the federal government in 1990 in a single year was twice what was being collected in 1980, despite much lower tax rates. I mean, we took the individual rate from 28, I'm sorry, from 70% down to 28. It ended up in the low 30s, but much, much lower rates and yet more revenue because we had a bigger economy. That's what I think we're going to do with this.
How much credit can the uh, policies of, of the Trump administration take for this? Because I know there are people who say that is this because of what happened under president? These are just questions we always talk about, and I yeah, thought sure. I would ask you. So yeah. how, how much credit can Donald Trump take for this and why? For When you say this, you mean this the relatively strong economy? economy. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think— uh, I think a lot. Uh, now, honestly, I think Congress deserves some of the credit, too. The president um, can't change the tax code by himself, and some of us worked really, really hard on all the details and making sure we rounded up the votes. But, look, I think there's two big categories of things that the president and Congress did that have contributed enormously. One, the massive excessive regulation of the Obama era, where they wanted to control every single thing any business could do, the terms under which you could do it. I mean, it was tremendous regulatory overreach that was stifling economic growth. President Trump has been rolling that back administratively. Congress has been rolling that back through legislation. That's creating an environment that's much more conducive to growing your business and starting a new one. So that's number one. And number two, the president does absolutely deserve his share of the credit for the tax reform that is also encouraging all the activity that we're seeing, the investment, the growth. So I, it, I think, defies all logic to suggest that Barack Obama deserves credit for this because his policies were the very policies that were holding us back. It was under his presidency when he got to do everything he wanted to do. Remember, the Democrats had complete control of the elected government in the early years. And they did what they wanted to do, right? I mean, they raised taxes, took over health care, passed all kinds of massive regulation, and then we had really feeble growth. All of a sudden, new administration comes in, Congress works with the new President Trump, roll back the regulation, lower taxes, reform our tax code, and the economy's booming, and we're supposed to say... That's Barack Obama's doing? <laughs> I'm not buying it. Well, if you were here at all, you would have heard callers say that. But uh, we just wanted to see what you thought. Um, Ryan writes in, and he says he's from Philadelphia, so it's good that the signal is so strong today. Can you ask Senator Toomey about his stance with regards to the FBI memo and if he has confidence in Robert Mueller and his investigation? So that's a multi-tiered question. What do you think? Yeah, but it's an important question. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad it's come up. Um so I think that there are important questions about whether the FBI decision to electronically surveil, to eavesdrop on members of the Trump campaign committee, whether those decisions were politically motivated and whether those decisions were held to the normal standard that the FBI uh, should be held to. This memo, I think... I haven't been able to read it. No senators have been allowed to read it. I think senators ought to be able to read it. But in any case, this memo uh, purports to shed light on this, right? It is the compilation of a whole lot of research and hearings and uh, investigation that the House Intelligence Committee has undergone. It's about four pages is my understanding. And I have reason to believe that it does, in fact, suggest that at least part of the FBI's rationale for wiretapping Trump campaign people was based on a dossier which was created for opposition research purposes and paid for by the Clinton campaign. Okay. If that's true, we ought to know it. Now, the FBI has pushed back and said, oh, you shouldn't release this. But it's interesting to note what the reason they are citing for why this shouldn't be released. What they're saying is there are errors of omission. Okay. So there's something missing. 
They didn't say there are factual errors in the report. They didn't say that there's a national security risk, if there is, by the way. That needs to be redacted. That would need to be blacked out. Um, but look, I think the American people need to know, did the FBI behave properly or was there a political bias there? And if there's omissions, if there's information that's missing, then I also think we should release the Democratic report. They've done a different right. analysis. Release that, yeah, too. put them both out. And let the FBI come out and say, what's missing? Tell us what's missing. We need to get to the bottom of, absolutely need to get to the bottom of Russian interference in our election. We need to get to the bottom of whether or not the Trump campaign cooperated in some ways with Russians. So far, there's no evidence that they did. And we absolutely need to get to the bottom of whether the FBI was inappropriately wiretapping American citizens. U.S. Senator Pat Toomey is with us in the studio on WILK. If you have questions, it's 570-883-0098 or 1-800-437-0098. You can also send us a text message at 570-883-0098. So if you have anything, uh, please bring it to the table. Okay, U.S. Senator Pat Toomey is in our studio. This is Jim of Pringle who has a question. Jim, go ahead. Yeah, Senator, it's a pleasure to speak to you. I voted for you, and I love the job you're doing, first off. Thanks very much. Uh, I appreciate it. But what I'd like to ask you about is the DACA bill uh, that, that is proposed by the president. And I think it's got a lot of good aspects. Uh, two questions I have about that. One would be, if these young men are illegal, but they're willing to serve in the military and do two years, I think they should automatically become a United States citizen if they're willing to die for this country. I think that should actually be part of like a, a separate bill because I think that's very important because that shows loyalty to the country. Uh, and I think the second thing is these work permits for the dreamers that they want to let here and go to school. How about you implement a fee of like maybe a hundred or two hundred dollars and take all that of the one point two million and put it towards a border wall, which I think would give more funding for it. And third, I don't believe that Democrats are going to allow President Trump and the Republicans to pass an immigration bill because they don't want they want to keep it as a wedge issue. And I believe they don't want to have them say, look at President Trump and the Republicans are the ones who helped you. I really right. believe that. Jim, I hope it's not yeah, true. Jim, we'll, we'll let uh, Pat answer all of your concerns about. Uh, well, Jim, you, you raise uh, very interesting, very valid concerns. I hope that. The Democrats come to a different conclusion, and the reason why they might is it's pretty amazing. Uh, if you if you were able to catch the president's State of the Union address, the fact is the president is offering a more generous solution for the DACA people than Barack Obama ever did. President Trump is saying, first of all, he wants to make legal permanent legal status here, not just for the 690,000 people who signed up for DACA, but for the 1.8 million people who were eligible, but two-thirds of whom decided not to. And not only that, he wants to go beyond just granting a legal status and saying, within 10 to 12 years, you can become a U.S. citizen, full-blown U.S. citizen like everyone else. So it is a very, very generous offer. It applies to everyone who's eligible for DACA. It's U.S. citizenship. That, what more is there to offer people, despite the fact that they came here illegally? And the reason is, of course, they were children. They weren't responsible for that decision. In return for that, the president is saying, and, and I have to say, I think this is a very reasonable proposition, in return for that... 
let's agree to spend the money to actually achieve border security on our southern border. That's a, a portion of that would be a wall. Some of it is other forms of barrier. There's technology. There's manpower. There's a combination of tools so that we could actually control our border. And then finally, if we're going to allow this 1.8 million people to become newly American citizens, then we should also use this as an occasion to revise the chain migration, right? The ability of citizens to bring in extended family because that could multiply to many, many millions of people because everybody has an extended family. The, the reason this is going to be a difficult thing for the Democrats to walk away from is because it is so generous to these kids. They're not kids anymore, but they were children when they came here illegally. And the offer is to not just grant them legal status, but put them on a path to U.S. citizenships, remove from their head any cloud of worries about deportation. This is a very, very big deal for those folks. Now, there are immigrant activists in the left wing of the Democratic Party who want all that and want to make sure we don't have border security. But how do you defend that? How do you defend the idea that, um, look, everything's fine, except we got to make sure we don't have a secure border? I think that's a really hard proposition to defend. So I still think there's a chance of getting something done. You do, because this has been kicked around for so many decades. Yeah, but there's this... uh, Dynamic now that didn't occur before, which is right. President Obama's DACA, right, it was a decision, a unilateral executive decision that he did not have the authority, he did not have the legal authority to issue to protect this population. When President Trump came along and said, this is going to end in March because it's illegal and it should be replaced with a legal legislation, an actual law, that was the right decision. And it creates a uh, dynamic where it's going to be hard for the Democrats to explain why they're not going along with us. All right. This is uh, Amy of uh, Scranton with a question for Senator Toomey. Hi, Amy. Uh, hi. Um, yes, my question is, it goes back to the, the tax plan. And um, I had a question regarding police officers. You said, Senator Toomey, that, you know, uh, people were going to, under this plan, be able to get, uh, retain more of their money. Um, but they're also, uh, in the police officer case, are not going to be able to deduct their uniforms or cost of cleaning those. Do you think that that the amount of money that they keep is going to sufficiently cover some of the expenses that uh, the American people are now not going to be able to deduct? Uh, Amy, that I, I was not aware of that. That's a pretty... Um, uh, detailed uh, provision, and I'm going to check on that. This is the first I've heard that police officers would no longer be able to deduct the cost of cleaning their uniforms. But to answer your question directly, I do suspect that the net savings is going to more than offset that added cost. There are some deductions that people are losing. That That's absolutely true. Amy is uh, sharing one that I was not uh, aware of. But um, as a general matter, we, we, we know this because the folks who do this analysis, it's called the Joint Tax Committee, nonpartisan professionals who have analyzed this, they've come to the conclusion that the net effect, after all is said and done, f- uh, is a tax savings for about 93% of people who pay taxes, individuals and families. Uh, So, yes, I think in the overwhelming vast majority of cases, police officers, uh, like the rest of us, will have a tax savings. The issue of the exorbitant price of prescriptions was raised before you got here. Also, I wanted to talk to you in more broad terms about the possibility of a private industry getting together and and tackling health care. 
Um, what what could be on the horizon to kind of curb or stem the cost of prescription drugs for people? Well, uh, it, it's been a, a really, really challenging issue. One of the ways that I have focused uh, in, in my time in the Senate is to try to expedite the process by which generic drugs can come into the marketplace and compete. Once generic drugs are able to compete with the branded prescription drugs, prices collapse, right? And, and generic drugs are so, so much more affordable. And in many cases, there are big barriers to bringing a new generic drug onto the market. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to make some more progress. I think we've got a really good FDA director, Scott Gottlieb, the new director of the Food and Drug Administration. Really smart guy, understands this, wants to make sure that consumers have lower costs and more options. So I'm encouraged by that. You made an allusion to uh, a big story in the last week or so about three ginormous companies, right? Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan Chase. And um, is that Amazon? Amazon? Is that the third? Mm -hmm. That they are uh, have announced that they intend to launch an initiative for their own employees to provide health care. I'm really excited about that. I really am because I'm in favor of experimenting with different payment models, different delivery systems. We'll continue to improve actual health care through technology and through the use of data, and that will continue apace. But we have enormous inefficiencies. We have enormous costs. We have ex all kinds of distortions of capacity. I'm, I'm very curious to see if these guys can come up with a better system if it works for their employees, I mean, they have hundreds of thousands of employees uh, right. between the three of them, then it could be a model that will work beyond that. So I, I encourage them. I wish them good luck. I hope these guys let you come back soon, these guys over here. I don't know. Tough guys. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to see. But okay. we can work on them. All right. U.S. Senator Pat Toomey, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show. I know you have to run because you have a tight schedule, but thank you for stopping by. Thanks for having me, Sue. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hiya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.